Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has swung its way into theaters, but does Miles Morales' first big screen adventure live up to its current score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes? Find out right now on an all-new episode of Matt and a Matinee. of Matt and a Matinee. I am your host, Matt, and man, has it been a while since I've recorded one of these. But we are back, and hopefully better than ever. The formula hasn't changed. I'll review the movie and give you my likes, dislikes, all spoiler-free, but then I'll stop and advise you when we're heading into spoiler territory, just in case you wanted to see the film for yourself. But without further ado, let's jump right into my review with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Sony's first animated Spider-Man adventure follows Brooklyn teenager Miles Morales, who after being bitten by a radioactive spider is transformed into the one and only Spider-Man. When he meets Peter Parker, he soon realizes that there are many others who share his special talents. When the evil kingpin hulking madman opens a portal to other universes, it causes different versions of Spider-Man to be displaced throughout the multiverse. Miles must now use his newfound skills to battle the kingpin and help his friends return home. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and jump into my likes about this film. Um, some of my likes are the comedy in this film is something that has been missing from every incarnation of Spider-Man up until this point. This movie is absolutely funny from the minute it opens till the minute it ends. I had my sides just busting. It was by far they were able to capture the quick wit and just attitude of Spider-Man. And even with Miles, and it, it just... It's such a funny movie. It's such a family-friendly movie. It's the kind of comedy you can take your little kids to, and they'll get, and you as a parent will get. It's it's a lot of fun, and probably one of, if not the funniest Spider-Man movies we have to date. The way the film opens is very fresh and new. Um, I like the new direction and take they took with it in trying to explain Spider-Man's backstory. I'll get a little bit more into this into spoilers, because there is... Some nods here that I don't want to um, give away in my like section just in case you do want to see the movie that I felt like as soon as I saw him as a Spider-Man fan, it connected with me and I was like, man, I'm already 100% into this movie and it just started. But I absolutely love the opening sequence. I love the way the film opens. I love the way it grabs you from the minute it starts. I feel like the introduction of Miles Morales to fans who might not have been familiar with the character up until this point was handled really well and as comic book accurate as possible. Even though I did have some issues with the with some aspects that I'll get more into in the spoiler review, but I thought that they did the best they could with what they what they were trying to accomplish when trying to introduce Miles Morales for his first Spider-Man big screen adventure. The voice acting in this film is absolutely fantastic. In a movie where these actors are essentially lending a voice to different incarnations of the same character, they are able to give each character his or her own standout voice and personality. Haley Steinfeld and Shameik Moore did an incredible job as Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales respectively, but one of the brightest performances of the film is turned in by none other than the man himself, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. I found that the unique and funny way this film handles the origin story of Peter Parker's transformation into Spider-Man, as well as the introduction of the different characters, was a breath of fresh air. But I'll go over more of this in the spoiler section because it is kind of a big part to the movie, and I don't want to spoil anything for you right now if you haven't seen it and you do intend to see this film. 
This film is definitely a perfect example of animation at its best. With its different styles and textures and layers, it made it a visually stunning film to watch. It really made it feel like you were watching a comic book come to life. And I think that's one of the things I really, really liked about it. When I first kind of saw the trailer for this movie, the the way it's animated, it kind of threw me off. I was like, is this supposed to be a 3D movie? Is it supposed to not be a 3D movie? What What is this? And I like the way they go through the film, and they definitely use the animation as an advantage to tell the story. So sometimes, you know, when you're supposed to be focusing on what's in the foreground, the background is kind of blurry as people walk by, and it's very, very comic. It gives you that very comic book. You feel like you're reading an old-school comic book, something that in the trailer I didn't think I was like, but when I found myself in the theater um, watching it, it, it worked really well for the film. It's actually one of the things that was really drawing me to this film. After all was said and done, I left the theater feeling fulfilled as a Spider-Man fan, something that hasn't really happened with any of the other Spider-Man films, and I really feel that this film goes a long way to help solidify Miles Morales as a legit Spider-Man in the eyes of fans who might not have previously thought so. One of the other bright spots of this film is Stan Lee's cameo. Stan Lee has a fantastic cameo that is probably one of his best yet and very impactful. It's a message that that I really feel like now that we lost him, it, it means so much more. Um, I don't want to give it away here because I feel like it's something that you should experience through the film because the way it's set up and the way it's experienced in the film really drives it home and gives it that much more power and meaning. I think the after the credit scene, I have to say, you absolutely have to stay for the after the credit scene. I'm not going to give anything away here in case you want to see the film. But we'll talk about it more in spoilers, but I thought it was probably one of the best and funniest after the credit Spider-Man scenes to date. That's it for my likes, and just like a coin, there's two sides to everything. So let's go ahead and move into my dislikes on this film. To be 100% honest, there really wasn't much about this film I didn't like. And if it was something I didn't like, it's because I was nitpicking. I did find that some changes they made regarding the events of Miles' origin, even though it was close to comic book accurate, they chose to make a change that even though I completely understand why they made the change, I don't agree with. And it felt at some points, and in some ways, it hurt how the the impact of the situation might have come across to the movie viewer versus the comic book reader. But I'll go more into this in my spoiler section. I did kind of feel a weak point in this film was the main villain, as was Kingpin. Um, Levi Schreiber did a fantastic job lending his voice to this character, but the character himself felt weak and underdeveloped. One thing I really didn't like as a comic book fan of Miles and and a fan of Miles from the beginning was there was no mention of Miles' best friend Genki in this film. Now, I'm not sure if they left him out purposely because of Peter's friend Ned in Spider-Man Homecoming as not to confuse people, or if his roommate in the film was meant to be Genki. You kind of see his roommate in the background a little bit, but Miles never really interacts with him, and you find out later on in the movie why. Um, but hopefully maybe he'll be introduced in the sequel, but I felt like leaving Genki out was, was something personally as a Miles fan that I didn't personally care for. But it's like I said, my dislikes in this film are personal nitpicks and are very minimal and do absolutely nothing to take away from the quality of this film. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move right along into the spoiler section of my review. So if you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and want to go see it spoiler-free, then click that pause button, swing into a theater, see the film for yourself, and then come on back and check out the rest of the review. But if you've already seen the film 
or don't care about spoilers, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this review. I'm going to go ahead and give you a few moments of silence to allow you to hit that pause button if you want to pause it right here. Um, and then we'll go ahead and get into the, the review or the spoiler review for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. Well, if you're still here, I'm assuming that you have seen or don't care about these spoilers for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So let's go ahead and get right into this. Like I stated previously, I absolutely love the opening to this film. With them retelling Peter's origin story through narration and quick animation shorts rather than showing us the entire thing over again. It was a nice touch to show that they trust the majority of the viewers know the subject matter already. I mean, after, what, uh, countless movies and comic books? I, I hope we we all would. Um, but it was a nice touch to get the nod to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films with all the shots of Spider-Man stopping the train the same way he did in Spider-Man 2, or stopping the car that Doc Ock throws through the window when Peter and Mary Jane are, are talking in Spider-Man 2, um, or even the nod to the creepy emo dance from Spider-Man 3. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes, is, is Spider-Man's walking on the street, and he's like, I even did this, and he starts recreating the, the dance, the emo dance from Spider-Man 3, and then he's like, but we don't talk about that which was something that had me in absolute tears. And from the minute I saw the nod to Sam Raimi, I was like, I was sold. This was movie was going to be a great movie. One of the things that really caught me off guard is I was shocked when the movie opened and it wasn't Jake Johnson's voice you're hearing coming from Spider-Man, but instead it was Chris Pine, who was voicing the Ultimate Comics version of the Spider-Man. They even went as far as to recast or re-record some of the scenes that you see in the trailer that Jake Johnson voices over and have Chris Pine revoice over them, which I thought was very interesting and something I wasn't expecting. Now, like I said in my dislike section, I had some very small issues with this film and the way it handled some things. Much like in the Ultimate Comics, that version of Spider-Man dies in the film, not at the hands of the Green Goblin in an epic showdown in front of Aunt May's house like it portrayed in the comic, but by being squashed by the Kingpin. I didn't really care for the fact that they made Peter 26 and married in the film when he died and not 16 like in the comics. Now before you jump down my throat, I understand that this is a kid's movie and it's an animated movie and they didn't want to show a kid dying up on the screen, but I feel like the change took away some of the impact from his death in the film that they gave you in the comic and that you, were, that you got in the comic because that was one of the most impactful things in... In the comic, <clears throat> the ultimate comic issue when Peter died was the fact that everyone is coming to the realization that this is a 16-year-old kid that's been out there doing this. This was a teenager out there saving lives, saving the day, protecting them from evil. And that's one of the things that I think turned the people, not against Spider-Man, but on his side and to really mourn the death of Peter Parker and make it that much more impactful is the, the reveal that it was a 16-year-old boy that was doing this and not a grown-ass man. I found the change of gender of Doc Ock to be very refreshing, um, but I probably would have went with a better supporting villain cast as I didn't much care for Scorpion in the film. It was more so the way he was handled and the way he was done. If they would have just given him his green suit, um, I feel like that would have been a lot better if they would have just given him the scorpion suit instead of making him this like mechanical half-man, half-scorpion hybrid, which was, was kind of weird. But I feel like they could have went with a better supporting cast. Maybe the chameleon 
Um, maybe the lizard. I mean, there's there's other options they had there. And I understand they hadn't really done Scorpion in a film before, other than his quick mention in Homecoming. Um, but I just kind of feel it was it was poorly handled. One thing that was not poorly handled in this film, though, was the introduction of the new characters in a fresh way. I like how the comic book covers would appear on the screen with the character's name, and they'd start by saying, okay, let's take this back to the beginning one last time, as the character proceeds to tell you his or her origin story from their point of view. One moment in the film where I was kind of like, okay, they're trying to make Peter Parker too much like Tony Stark, or maybe they're trying to um, harp on their relationship a little too much, is when all of the uh, Spider-People convene at Aunt May's house, and Aunt May shows him shows them basically Peter Parker's, our ultimate Peter Parker's spider lair, and they go to the backyard, and it's just a shed, and the lock opens, and it's an elevator that takes him down, and then in the the basically command center, I would say, are all the different Spider-Man suits lined up, much like Tony Stark's Iron Man suits. They're all in glass cases lined up, and he's got all his tech down there. I feel that's a little bit too much, for Spider-Man as he was he was kind of a low-key tech guy. Like, I mean, he was definitely a tech guy, but he wasn't Iron Man level tech at this point in his in his career. Um, but I guess that's just one of the differences they went with the, the film and one of the things that goes along with him supposedly being older in this film that he should have been. Um, it's, it's not anything that really takes away from the film, but... This is one of the things that kind of irked me because I was like, all right, they're trying to make Spider-Man too much like Tony Stark. They're trying to make Peter too much like Tony Stark here. But also one of the things that took me completely by surprise was Miles' costume in the film and how he goes about getting it and creating it. Now, I don't know how correct I am on this, but it looked very, very similar to me. It almost looked as Miles crafted his suit out of the Secret Wars Spider-Man black suit. The uh, there's a black and red Secret Wars suit with blue in it. Um, if you played the Sony Spider-Man game, you've seen it. If you read the book, you've, see, you've seen it. It almost looks like he took that costume and just spray painted some of the red accents and features onto it to make his Spider-Man suit. Which I thought, if that's the case, was was kind of a a, a nice touch there. Like I said before, the after the credit scene in this film is absolutely hysterical. Um, a lot of people in the theater were whispering to each other, where's Miguel O'Hara? Where's Spider-Man 2099? Why isn't he in this? Spider-Verse, he should be in this. And at the end of the movie, the movie ends, and then the after the credit scene comes, and it cuts to Miguel O'Hara, and he gets his time watch, and, and he's like, all right, it's time to go back to the beginning. And he goes all the way back to the 60s Spider-Man, and he pops up and... Um, he's having a confrontation with the 60s Spider-Man, and he was like, who are you? And Miguel's like, I'm Spider-Man, from, but from the future. He's like, you're not Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man. And it, it gets into, like, the pointing meme, if you've seen it, the 60s Spider-Man, where he's pointing. They get in that pointing meme, and they're in the 60s Spider-Man, like, don't you point at me, and I'm pointing at you. And, like, they just get in this whole, like, argument about who's pointing at who, and then it it ends. So it was it was pretty hysterical, and it was probably, like I said, one of the better after the credit scenes in a Spider-Man film. Without further ado, it's time for my final verdict. 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is ignited by the film's animation that is nothing short of a dazzling collision of traditional comic book style imagery and digital wizardry that is complemented with incredible storytelling that brings a newfound sense of joy and playfulness to this beloved character. I give Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a 5 out of 5. I want to thank everyone for checking out my review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I had a lot of fun with this movie. It's definitely one I recommend going to a theater to see instead of watching online or at home through Redbox. But if you like this review and you want to hear more reviews from me on movies, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. And feel free to leave a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube or leave a comment on our Facebook page um, on the next movie you would like me to do. I'd greatly appreciate it. I want to thank you so much for once again taking the time to check out my review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And if you like this review, why not check out any of my other reviews? You can find them on our Absolute Geek SoundCloud page, as well as Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Store, anywhere you get any of your podcasting applications. If you want to contact me, you can do so on social media. Um, you can do it through Twitter, Instagram, or leave me a message on the Absolute Geek Podcast Facebook page, and I will definitely get that. But for this episode of Matt and a Matinee, I'm Matt, and I will see you at the movies.